This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. The Tax Cut and Jobs Act passed by the White House has meant, in many cases, more profits for corporations who have turned part of that around into better pay and bonuses for workers. That part alone has many people on Capitol Hill wondering what the impact will be in the near term. But what if something was done to make those cuts more permanent or if there was another tax cut in the future? The Penn Wharton budget model looked at that possibility in a recent report. Kimberly Burham is the managing director of legislation and special special projects with the organization. She joins me here in the studio. And on the phone with us is Alan Auerbach, professor of economics and law at the University of Cal Berkeley. He is also director of the Center for Tax Policy and Public Finance at the school. Kim, great to see you again. Thanks for coming. Hi, it's good to be here, Dan. Thank you. Alan, as always, great to have you on the phone with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, All right, so let's dig into the numbers here. Now, the, the, the premise behind the reporting initially is if these tax cuts were to be extended out beyond the 10 year window, correct? Right. So a lot of the individual tax cuts in the bill expire in 2025. So that's two years short of the 10-year window. And we did, well, what if they extended those tax cuts? And that was sort of when they were making the bill, there was a lot of talk that, of course, they would extend those tax cuts for individuals. And recently, there's been some talk um, in D.C. about doing that. So we took a look at the costs of, of doing that for the long run and the short run. And so the numbers came out as what? Right, so it adds significantly to the debt, um, especially in the in the uh, out to twenty forty. It would add about five to six trillion dollars um, to the debt, and that debt would would hamper economic growth. And so you actually see the by how though, much by about how much? Well, by about um, 0.6 to point nine percent. So okay. you know, almost a, a full percentage point um, you would lose off of GDP in the long run. Um, and and that's just because all of that debt, even though you're getting tax cuts that can stimulate growth, a lot of these individual tax cuts don't necessarily, they have an income effect that people might work less um, rather than more. And so you actually find a situation where the debt just completely outweighs the positive mm-hmm. impact of growth from these tax cuts and the economy shrinks. Yeah, and obviously, Alan, we're at a time right now with the with the debt being over $20 trillion already that uh, more and more scrutiny is, is being put on trying to bring forth policies that don't enhance that even further uh, over the next uh, over the next several decades. Well, that's certainly true. Uh, I mean, one of the problems of the uh, tax bill has passed, uh, as the, the discussion just highlighted, is there's a lot of temporary provisions and a lot of uncertainty about what tax policy is going to be and the deficits that are projected for the basic tax cut as passed or may understate what we're actually going to have once we uh, extend various provisions. So what what is what is your belief in terms of what needs to be done to try and and level this out because you're you're at a time where it seems like obviously federal taxes are federal taxes and obviously there are there are changes that are made to them but we also see a lot of cities that have just increased the number of of local taxes that they have they have put on top of the consumer as well. So how do we try and balance this out so that you know the 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 amount of tax revenue is 
what is needed to a degree, but also not hurting the consumer as well? Uh, well, great question. Uh, unless huh? you believe in Santa Claus, right? Uh, right. We're, we're going to have tax increases in the future, right? And as you pointed out, not just from the federal government, but from state and local governments too, which are right now uh, facing uh, unfunded pension liabilities and and uh, other kinds of expenses, uh, deferred maintenance on infrastructure that uh, will require them to raise taxes in the future too. Uh, the question is, how will we do it in a way that's uh, best for the economy and equitable? Those are important questions which were not not considered at all in the tax reform discussion this past year. So, Kim, so then if you're talking about some of the elements, positive and negative, that you actually looked at, there's interesting elements. Obviously, you talk about uh, the impact of the child care tax credit on this as one part of it, uh, the standard deduction, the changes that potentially would be coming forward on that. There's a lot of different elements that, that you brought forth in this in this reporting. Right, exactly. So one of the things that we looked at extending was the child tax credit. Um, and that, you know, if you extend that does add a lot to the debt, but doesn't, um, and that, you know, doesn't help with future investment and capital formation. Um, but it doesn't have a lot of incentives in it for people to work more either. And so we think that's one of the reasons why you end up with this negative impact on growth. Um, some of the other things that we looked at extending were um, you know, not necessarily um, tax cuts per se. If you think about some of the limits on itemized deductions, such as state and local taxes, um, the limit of that to $10,000, that also gets extended in our plan. And so the impact of, of some of these individual pieces, Alan, is going to be what as we move forward into into 2019? Uh, well, as we, I mean, the impact of these provisions in the short run is, uh, uh, as uh, Kim suggested, uh, the, these are uh, the individual tax provisions are not where the um, primary driver is of uh, so-called supply-side uh, benefits of more investment and uh, more uh, work uh, by families. That's primarily coming more on the side of business taxation. Uh, we are getting going to be getting a stimulus that's being projected in general by economic forecasts. We. The, the actual, just the tax cut and the fact that the government is raising less revenue is going to put more money in people's pockets and probably generate some demand stimulus. And so um, there's generally a, a projection that we're going to have even stronger economic growth in the next couple of years than we would have without the tax cut. Sure. I, for example, the CBO came out with a, re, a project, projection last week that the unemployment rate is going to drop down to the, into the low 3% over the next couple of years, which will be really uh, something that we haven't seen for, for a very long time. Kim? Yeah, we show that, too. Um, as a result of the tax bill, there'll be some um, positive growth effects in the short run. Um, it's really more about the possibility of negative effects of debt in the long run that we that cause concern. And, and I guess, Alan, then where do you see that that shift occurring? If you have the short term benefits, how how is it over the long run going to for those people that don't follow closely? How is it going to eventually turn turn to the negative side? Well, debt's going to be accumulating. Okay, and uh, you know, in the short run, that the increase in debt won't be that big, and there'll be a big stimulus in demand. Uh, eventually, the stimulus is going to wear off, uh, probably with the help of the Federal Reserve as interest rates go up. Um, but the, uh, the debt overhang uh, is going to be there and going to be getting bigger as, as deficits accumulate and as the 
national debt uh, to GDP ratio reaches uh, levels we haven't uh, seen either ever or, or certainly since the end of World War II. Was and that's going to crowd out private economic activity eventually. Right. So was the, in your opinion, was the idea of a tax cut, whatever it may be, obviously we have what we have and, and for the business side as well, was the idea in general of a tax cut one that you saw as having positives or primarily negatives? I, I think it was very irresponsible to have a tax cut this okay. year. We, we, uh, the only conceivable argument one could have made for a tax cut would have been if the economy were weak. Um, but we've, even though the recovery since the financial crisis hasn't been great, it's been long, and we've now gotten to the point, before, even before the tax cut was passed, where our unemployment rate was close to 4%, which certainly in the neighborhood of full employment. So to have a tax cut then, for when there's no argument for traditional Keynesian policy, uh, would, you would have to uh, come up with some argument, and I'm not really aware of any argument, particularly given that we were already facing uh, fiscal pressure. So even with the growth that we had seen over over the prior few years, and if I heard you correctly, you said uh, that having a tax cut this year was not the right thing to do. No, it was definitely a mistake. We could have we could have potentially not needed a tax cut even moving forward if we kept this level of growth uh, on the next five years, ten years, whatever it might be. There were certainly arguments for reforming the tax code. Right. I mean, we, we had problems with, particularly with our business taxation that uh, needed to be addressed. There were some uh, individual provisions that would have been a good idea. Uh, those could have been uh, integrated uh, into a responsible tax reform that wouldn't have uh, increased deficits. But that was not something that happened. Kim, go ahead, Kim. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think that the um, immediate expensing of a business investment was probably a smart thing because that rewards new investment on the margin and can be a good driver of economic growth. Um, And and to the extent that the bill did that, it does it in a temporary fashion um, that expires. Uh, But to the extent of of doing that, that... that, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily a bad idea. Within the reporting you do, and, and again, for people that would like to look at this, you can go to budgetmodel.wharton.upenn.edu and you can see how this is laid out. For those people that don't follow it, you did uh, you did a look at this through conventional projections, but you also did it through dynamic uh, projections. First, take us into the difference between the two and what uh, what you found out when doing the the dynamic projections. So the the conventional projections, the main difference there is that we don't allow people can't really react to the policy. So we allow them to react in that they optimize their tax bill. So if you change the business tax rate or the individual tax rate or the pass-through business tax rate, Mm -hmm. you can optimize your tax bill by shifting your income between those. Um, But the dynamic model, what that does is allow households to change how they how much they work, um, the effort they put into work, how much they save, and how much they consume um, in response to these new tax rates, which change um, the costs and the benefits of working and buying and mm-hmm. saving. The other part to it also that you uh, deal with, we mentioned the the impact to GDP, which you lay out has a negative impact even when you take it out to 2040, and that grows a little bit uh, on a per annum basis, correct? Um, well, yeah, if we extend the individual um, 
the individual provisions, and yeah. that does have a negative impact on GDP. Right. Overall, the actual tax bill had a positive impact on GDP, but it wasn't enough of a positive impact that the tax bill paid for itself. But you also talk about things like labor income and capital services as well, and right. those having a negative, uh, an overall negative impact as well when you take it out 20 years or so. That's right. So what you see in the long run is that um, – we add a lot more debt to the system, and there's yeah. not really any free lunch here. Um, at some point, someone has to pay for that debt, and that could either be U.S. households or it could be foreign households. Um, we think it'll probably be some combination of the two, and that means that investment will go down, which is not good for economic growth. And, and part of this, Alan, is, is the expectation of what is going to happen eight years down the road. Obviously, when you get to eight years down the road, we know we would have a new president at that point, one way or the other. Uh, and the question of policy change really does come into play as to whether or not the individual tax cuts would still be in play at that point. Oh, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. There, there's always uncertainty when a tax uh, change is made, because we don't know how it's exactly it's going to affect the economy. We don't know what further uh, policy choices uh, people might want to make. In this case, uh, we've built in the uncertainty because we have all these expiring provisions. So it's, even if there were no new president, even if Congress, uh, the control of Congress remained the same, we'd have to come back and revisit these measures. Uh, we, we experienced this uh, during the Bush and Obama administrations with the Bush tax cuts that were uh, scheduled to expire. And we had a continual negotiation over what to do about that. Those were actually simpler. It was a simpler, smaller number of provisions, easier to discuss. In the current context, we've got so many different provisions that expire, rate, tax rates change, uh, provisions change, and they do it in different years. It's, it's, uh, it's a real Rube Goldberg uh, mechanism. Uh, you know, one has to look at it and wonder what they were thinking. It'll be an ongoing discussion, I think. Um, you know, and recently they've been talking about, you know, extending a lot of these. They kind of get known in Washington, D.C. as the extenders. Um, yeah. So I, I think that tells you what the initial um, impulse is to extend them because they're called the extenders. Um, however, you know, I think everyone recognizes that extending them does have a price. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in with your comments or questions. We're talking about the potential extension of the individual tax cuts beyond the eight-year window. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I guess, Alan, the the, the biggest question is, is that with this with the these rules in play now, how do we adjust it to try and mitigate what, what Kimberly and the Penn Warren budget model are talking about in terms of the loss of GDP, whether it be in the next decade or whether it be 20 years or 30 years out? Well, I think it, it is unlikely to happen without some sort of bipartisan consensus, um, because taking... Uh, it's very easy to give people candy. It's sort of hard to take it away. And, uh, you know, if you want, there may be certain elements of this you want to preserve, but the only way to do that is to uh, increase taxes in some way. And that is just, it's just very hard to imagine under current circumstances. And either we'll need uh, a change in politics or uh, some sort of economic crisis, which forces politicians to get serious.
Alan, as soon as you said uh, bipartisan agreement in Congress, I had to just kind of sit back because it, we we kind of know that that a bipartisan agreement in in Congress right now is very hard to come come about. Yeah, yeah. I it's uh, I'm not saying I, I know how it's going to happen. I'm just just saying that uh, unless we have an economic crisis uh, such as we had in 2008, where you know, we they had bipartisan agreement to pass the TARP proposal, even though nobody was very happy about it because we didn't want to have a depression. Yeah. Uh, unless something like that happens, uh, where we have a financial crisis or something that uh, requires them to get serious, it, it is very hard to imagine. And and so I think we're likely to have a lot of stopgap measures, a lot of brinksmanship, uh, you know, possible government shutdowns. Yeah temporary uh, extensions, a lot of very unsatisfactory uh, processes. Yeah, and it's hard for businesses to know how to invest and make decisions when you have um, tax cuts that may or may not expire, that may or may not be extended on a temporary basis. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to wonder how that's going to affect decisions. 844-942-7866 or if you'd like send us a comment via twitter either at biz radio 111 b-i-z radio 111 or my twitter account which is at dan loney 21 again the, the thing also to talk about is, is the fact that this is based on the policy that we have right now if we have policy change in the next eight years or so it may very well be a different discussion either positively or negatively but again you can only go on kim the the, the policy that is that is kind of laid in front of you um, that's right. And, and, you know, anyone that comes in is always going to have to face the large amount of debt that we've already accumulated yeah. and what to do about that. Um, and we'll have difficult decisions to make in terms of, you know, do we add further to the debt that could, you know, harm economic growth? Or do we do something that feels good now? Well, Alan, how do you take those two options and and run with them? <laughs> well, uh, you know, as I as I think about what might happen to change the circumstances, we haven't talked about uh, the next recession. You know, it's been uh, now quite quite a, quite some time, almost nine years since the uh, last recession officially ended, and we know that we'll have another recession at some point in the future. And the last recession which had, we had, which of course was a very serious one, saw the the level of debt as a share of GDP grow by about 35%, a very, very big increase. And uh, that came about as a result of both a weak growth, which meant revenues went down, but also because we adopted uh, measures to try to stimulate the economy. Try to think about that that happening or, or, or government trying to uh, accomplish that in a situation where our debt is as high as it is now and getting higher. Uh, that is the kind of crisis that could precipitate a real change in uh, in policy and bipartisan uh, activity. Uh, it's, of course, it's very hard to predict when that could happen. That could be next year. It could be five years from now. But I think it may very well take that kind of economic crisis uh, to move us away from the state of affairs where we are now. The kind of um, gradual increase in the debt, gradual worsening of of, uh, of economic conditions because of that crowding out. The problem with that is it happens gradually. It doesn't happen all at once. And it's very, very easy for politicians to just say, well, this is not something I want to think about this year or during this session of Congress. So it'll take something more than that. Uh, not necessarily uh, uh, a, a change in leadership, because that probably in itself won't be enough. But it, it, the expectation of trying to reduce the, the, the debt, the deficit right now, it, it's it's something that I think 
not a lot of Americans think about it, but I think when they do, they understand that's where we need to try and get to. We need to find a way to be able to get the deficit and get the national debt under control somehow. And seemingly that hasn't happened at any point, you know, in, in, in the longest period of time. So I throw that to you. Get that crystal ball out, Alan. How, how, do, you, how do you start to even begin to consider handling the debt? Uh, you know, we've we've tried a lot of things, uh, and uh, we've had the you know the Bold Simpson Commission. We've had other commissions that have come up, you know, been bi- attempted to be bipartisan, come up with very sensible recommendations. The problem is that politicians uh, now, less than in the past, want to want to think about that. You know, we we you can think back to, to previous episodes. Uh, you know, under the first President Bush, under President Clinton, I mean, when 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 we had uh, uh, governments willing to take measures that uh, uh, help reduce the deficit and were you know, were not popular, uh, somewhere along the way, politicians decided that just wasn't worth doing. Well, and we got a, a lot of major decisions coming up. You know, Social Security trust fund. Yeah. Um, is going to expire at some 2034 point. 2034 or so, that right about then? 2034, 2032 yeah. um, in there. So, you know, that, that'll that have to be dealt with. You know, Medicare expenses, all of these things are going to put upward pressure on the debt and cause um, decisions have to be made about spending. Um, you know, do you cut benefits or do you raise taxes to pay for them? Great having you both with us today. Thank you, Alan, for joining us on the phone. Always appreciate your insight. Thank you. Thank you. Kim, as always, great to see you again. Thank you for coming in. Thanks. Thanks. And again, for anybody that would like to uh, to read the report that uh, the Penn Wharton budget model has done, it is titled The Tax Cut and Jobs Act, Extending Changes to Individual Taxes. You can find it online at budgetmodel.wharton.com. .upen.edu. It's right there on the homepage, and you can uh, delve into it, uh, the numbers, as they uh, play them out, not only in the next several years, but over the next couple of decades as well. Again, budgetmodel.wharton.upen.edu. The report is the Tax Cut and Jobs Act Extending Changes to Individual Taxes. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upen.edu. 